listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. What you're about to hear is made possible in part by our generous Patreon supporters. If you want to join them, go to patreon.com slash 9to5cc. Yeah, Dad. This is the 9to5 entertainment system. What do we talk about, boys? Scotty. We talk about Ukraine. Not the Ukraine. Never that the would Ukraine. Be wrong. Uh, the USA Fantasy. We talk about XCOM 2. We talk about Pokemon Go. And we talk about Ryan Reynolds and Detective Pikachu. And Jin's done quark. Games done quick. Then Games done I, quick. Then I talk about the movies Mandy and Revenge. Mm-hmm. I explain the nature of the simulation which we all inhabit. Mm-hmm. And then we endorse the upsides of slavery. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> is Keith, this is John, this is Scott. We're all here. We do a thing, and you're listening to it. John, yeah. you're saying that World War Three is closer? Well, yeah, this is like the most recent escalations of the Ukraine versus um, Russia conflict. Right. The um, Ukraine had a couple of boats right now. There's a, a place called the Azov Strait, which is um, kind of right between where Crimea hits the Russian mainland. You know, okay. They built a big bridge there recently. Um, so there was a, there were boats there. Ukrainian side is in the west, Russian side is in the east. They mm-hmm. kind of got close to each other. The Russians threatened them, kind of captured three of their boats. They're refusing to give them back. Ukraine is now asking for Western military aid to come in and help. Are they part of the EU? They so must be. this is actually an important. Or are they one of those like satellite? This is a huge part of the conflict, right? Historically, Ukraine was part of the USSR. Mm-hmm. It um, was an enormously important part of the USSR for two reasons. One was that they um, it's a huge grain production, massively mm-hmm. important. Number two is that it was a, the westernmost and southernmost point of the Russian Empire, right. the USSR. Um, so they, they put a lot of missiles and they put a lot of nukes in there. Um, and then yeah, the other, it was like a Cold War like striking position. Absolutely, yeah, right. Yeah, they yeah. could reach all of Europe with their with their nuclear rockets, whereas they couldn't necessarily from the the, the other mm-hmm. parts of Russia. And then the other part is that the Crimea is there, which is a very very deep water port that Russia had access to, which if they don't have access to Crimea, and this is why they went back and they took it over, was because if they want to do any shipping or if they want to have any military presence in the oceans to the south, they have to have access to Crimea. Okay. So it's it's of like incredible strategic importance to the USSR. Neat. I want so hold on. Uh, here's here's why the, the the like why this is all coming to a head. Um, Ukraine joining the EU, which mm-hmm. is something that has been, and joining NATO, which right. is something that has been like in the talks for many many years. Ukraine kind of wants to, Russia doesn't want them to. Yeah, yeah. When the USSR broke apart, Ukraine was left over with a whole bunch of nuclear weapons and rockets there that they didn't know how to deal with. They didn't want anybody to 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 have like probably didn't have like the the means to dispose of or use exactly. or whatever. They're like, uh oh, didn't have it. And um, England. The United States of America and Russia signed a deal saying that Ukraine and its borders would remain inviolate for forever, and all three of them have the military responsibility of making sure that those borders don't get changed. And the reason was that if Ukraine joins the EU or joins NATO, then Russia is pretty legitimate in thinking all of a sudden my my enemy or or fo- yeah. you know foe. 
opponent is now sitting on my border yeah. with an in, with, with, with access a, with nuclear to, armaments. Yeah, not just nuclear armaments because those those all got disbanded as part of this treaty. Okay, um, but but with deep water access to a port right on my gates. Yeah. Right. So if it's like a it's like a forward position to attack where they can get their they can get shipping and goods in very very rapidly from the United States. And like the reverse is true as well. Kind of, but but a little bit less. Like Russia doesn't have the navy to get stuff out of there. Right. They do have a navy, but not not enough to make like a crazy attack. But then if you want to go in and and conquer Russia and you have a port there, all of the United States goods can go right in and be like straight at the gates of of Russia. So it makes sense for them to be very very anxious if Ukraine is talking about joining the EU or NATO. Right. I'm not saying that that is a reason to justify them conquering Crimea, which is what they did. But yeah. the, but the reason of them striking it first to to even if Ukraine now joins NATO at least they don't have Crimea. Russia feels a little bit safer in terms of shipping. Right. So it's not totally insane that they did it, but it definitely is an enormous escalation of violence. And that's what happened in the last three weeks is Russia is now saying we're absolutely asserting our dominance over Crimea yeah, they're even good, more than they have like been. Like full occupied as opposed to like – because they've been kind of like lying about it. It's been <laughs> occupied yeah. since like 2012 or 2010 yeah, or something. it's been a long time. The, but like – it kind of makes sense that they do that as a as a preemptive stop because if they don't stop that from joining NATO, there is literally nothing they can do to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. Literally, you know. I mean, whatever. except for all of their arms and guns and stuff. Or uh, yeah, more if you... tanks than any other nation in the world. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like when I'm just like listening to this. I was like, I f- I feel <laughs> like when you hear about like again, I can understand like I think we've all played Risk. Like yeah. we've, we've, we've played like diplomacy. You and I have played Twilight Struggle, and I was like, I was like, note to self in Twilight Struggle, like control the Ukraine. I wonder if that's. <laughs> like, like, I wonder if it's like if it, if that if the game supports how pivotal it is. I don't remember from our. Play I don't through. remember either. But like probably like that yeah. game is very good about that kind of thing. But um, yeah, like I again, I, it makes sense from strategic war play. But I'm like, but it's real war and there's real people. So I'm like, how how are we at the point where like holding a strategic entryway? You know what I mean? Like, how is the planet at such a like a point of turmoil where that is still an important? Well, it's thing? because the United States of America has been shitting military bases all over the planet twenty four seven for the last fifty years, and there's been like Russia is surrounded by a ring of these. They're they're yeah. not insane to feel anxious about. All Absolutely, of that. I mean, like I I can I I can understand how they're feeling threatened, but again, I mean, like the 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 flip side of that is also true. Like, how can the American military operate on hundreds of billions of dollars every year. Like it's like that's also concerning. You're like, why is that an expense that they're doing? Like, because that's their nation. It's a it's a gigantic World military Police. war machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like someone was talking about that. They were like, wait, as opposed to the American one. Yes. Which is also a gigantic military war machine. No, no, no. I'm not saying the Russians have a giant military war machine because they don't. Well, their, their whole economy is like the same size as Spain's economy. Yeah. They don't have a gigantic war machine. Well. I mean, I don't know if they might if there wasn't an America. Like, I'm like, they're still, like, they're pretty big. Like, we looked, this, we looked these numbers up. Like, absolutely, they're dwarfed by America. It's 20 times. Yeah, but I'm saying, but then, but then they're still bigger than most countries. Like, oh, it's oh, just yeah, that yeah, Amer- yeah, America sure. is just astronomically bigger than everyone. That's right. So it's like, it is still a war machine. It's just, it's not America's. Like, it still would be fighting, like, a sword with a toothpick in terms they, of, like... They, they don't pose a credible economic or military threat to America. Yeah, and nobody th- in does. the media, it's, like, played up as though they do. And it's a fantasy designed to support the notion that America has any justification at all in having the military that they do. Yeah, well, it, it's insane. It's my favorite little factoid. The, the largest air force in the world... 
It's the United States Air Force. Yeah. The second largest Air it's Force the in the world is the United States Navy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, like, yeah, it's insane. It's insanity. Like, I mean, and that's it. And there's no, there's no reason, or, or I would even say there's no way for America to stop that spending. Like, it's oh no, there is. That, it, but it's like it's like the Amer- America's military spending is what was it? It was like I, I did the math. It's something like five or six Googles. Like the American military spends more money than like Google made. Like you'd take six Googles profit to get to the American military spending. Hmm. And that's like one of our biggest companies. I seem to recall their budget being $800 billion? Something like is that, that. Is that right? Yeah. It's I think like, that's the number. $860 billion, I believe, is the number that Trump signed, which, is, which was the biggest military budget uh, at any point. And we will recall that the entire Russian budget, the, like all of everything, is $1.5 trillion, I believe. They were really badly hit by all these economic sanctions, so it's gone yeah. down. Yeah, in 2017, it was 206. It was 2017 was 610 billion. Right. Right. And that, and then it went up again in 2018. And yeah. I forget the figures. Google profits uh-huh. 2017. Google made 110 billion. So yeah. Right. So eight L- times. Well, six. Six hundred. Yeah. yeah. Six times Google's profit yeah. is the American military, and I'm like, that is such a like a monstrous pillar of the economy at that point. Like you can't stop spending. You sure Are can. You? Oh, you oh can no! Stop. I mean, absolutely, you should. I, yeah. I, I, get, I get it. I get. I get the feeling, Keith, that you don't support the troops. I don't, don't support the troops. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I have noticed no yellow ribbons Uh-oh. on your fridge, I've, car. I haven't even played football, let alone knelt at a football game. <laughs> it sounds like you're kneeling at a football game. Oh no. You're verbally kneeling. I don't, I don't love America. Eight oh, and a half God. minutes of geek pop culture. Here we are, boys. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, but, but you, you see what I'm saying? Like, like without, like, just being like, we're going to stop military spending would create like such a monstrous void. Like, wait, like, wait, like, wait. like the one the, more thing. Just I'm going to cut you off there. Just how many of the six of the Marine movies have you seen? Uh, two to three. Two to three. Marine yep. movies? I feel like I've the seen... The Marine, starring John Cena and... Most of them is. Most of them is. Yeah, I feel like I've seen oh. two two Miz ones. That's why I think my two to three. I've definitely seen one John Cena and one Miz. And I feel like I've seen two Miz ones. Because I feel that Summer Rae wasn't in the first one. Now we're getting into deep wrestling pop culture. You mm-hmm. know that the Miz has made two Christmas movies, WWE films? Yeah. Two of them. I know. Specifically and... about Christmas. The Miz is the hardest working man in the WWE. He really is. Like he carries storylines most of the year and then still has like multiple cinematic releases while basically on active wrestling duty. Like he like it's insane. Without affecting the quality of the film at all. Well, I mean it's John will, you'll find out about this later. <laughs> get to the movies you oh, get to no. <laughs> And I was like and when you say without affecting the quality of the film at all, I would I would agree with you in that the Miz does not affect the quality of the film overall. <laughs> Everything else about the like he 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 obtains the goal of, of starring in a WWE movie. Like it's not his fault that the movie is or is not successful. He performs to a T. Anyway, I hope uh-huh. World War Three doesn't happen. Yeah, me too. Long story short, but yeah, that that's what I'm saying. It's like it just how how do you how do you dig yourself out of a hole like six times bigger than Google? You know what I mean? Like it's you 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 need like it, and you cannot discuss ending the wars, right? Like the Democratic Party, if they wanted to get elected and defeat Trump tomorrow, they could just run on a platform that was like Medicare for all, 
bring all the troops home, diminish the war budget, and fund universal health care yeah. and universal education. education. Like, right away, whoever they wanted, they could, they could elect a Muppet, and it would win on, on that platform. Yeah, but you have the companies that are making those $600 billion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like yeah. that's, like, like, these companies, like, you think of, like, Google, like I said, I used to use Google, because everyone thinks of Google as a massive corporation, and you're like, like... They're small fries compared to like Halliburton mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, like like the amount of Lockheed s- Martin. Yeah. Yep. The amount of sway that these companies have is monstrous. Don't forget that Barack Obama signed a law which said it is now legal for the American government to use propaganda on American citizens. So yeah. Trump is in charge of that machine right now. Hooray. Yeah. We did it. <laughs> we made everything worse. Yeah. And, the, and, ah, and then this blows how my did, mind. How did we get to a point where after two terms of George Bush Jr., Things are shittier. Yeah. Where, where he is coming to the press and releasing these little sound bites and, and comments that seem perfectly reasonable and, yep. and well thought out. I, I well, Obama think... didn't reverse any of his decisions, right? He kept doing everything Bush was doing, but, but, but more and with good press. But Ob- Obama never had the Senate either, though, right? Like That's, that's fine. But he still had, he started more wars than Bush did. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. And he still kept Guantanamo open. He expanded the use of surveillance against American citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the, but the press was on his side. So people kind of remember him. And he ran on a, like a nice platform. So people yeah, kind of liked him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't, don't mess with John Stewart, man. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I, I don't even know. I mean, that, I mean, I think we, we've had this conversation on the podcast like, mm-hmm. a number of times. I'm like, when you have six hundred and ten billion dollars a year being spent on the military, it's 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 Halliburton and Lockheed Martin that are calling the shots. Like, if it's a Republican or a Democrat sitting there, like, is I'd say largely irrelevant to those dudes. Oh, absolutely. Like that's, that's the problem. Yeah, like exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's not like it's not like an Obama problem. So, or a like a George W. Bush problem, whatever. It's a you're spending like nearly a trillion dollars like on your military every year. And you're mm-hmm. like that's a that's a bigger problem than I think a president could ever even hope to take care of in Are, a term. We're not going to solve this problem. Did you guys see any movies or play any video games? Let's let's talk, let's do that stuff. I beat XCOM too. It's yeah. been a long time since I beat a video game. Huh, and, and a turn-based strategy one. A turn-based strategy game. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I I super enjoyed it. I will say that. Uh, are you familiar with XCOM, Scott? I played the first one. Well, this is XCOM. Recently. No, not recently. This is XCOM <laughs> 2. It is a direct sequel to the first one. You play the same commander. He means XCOM 1 from 1991. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. The real XCOM. What is... Hang on, though. But what is... Was there another... Is there another XCOM? There's like five. XCOM Terror from the Deep. XCOM... Um, what was the third one? There was five XCOMs before the modern... XCOM. Like reboot XCOM? Yeah, because it was like 90, 90... The first one 90. wasn't even called XCOM, right? Like, XCOM was the European title of it. I'm not sure, but... Maybe. Yeah, um, I, remember, I, I looked this from up. From, like, 1990? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, like, the first game... Like, XCOM was an alternate title of the first one. Huh. And then if they, like, they, they kept it. Terror, <laughs> like, Terror from the Deep, for some reason, was my baby. I played the hell out yeah. of that game. Anyway, yes. XCOM 2. XCOM 2. Um, does all of the XCOM things you come to expect... The happening? series began with strategy video game UFO Enemy Unknown. Right? Yeah, that That's was it. it was. UFO Enemy Unknown. That was created the, by uh, Microprose. Mm-hmm. What a wonderful little studio. Classics. Who? Microprose. Microprose. Huh. Rings a bell. Say so, Rings a bell. Fuck. Microprose. I was never a PC so guy sad. though. Yeah. Mm. L- l- just look at their logo right now, and you, you've seen that everywhere. I don't know if he has. That that was like. I remember Sierra. Yep. Sierra was the big. The big one. Leisure Suit Larry, Space Quest, yeah, yeah, King's yeah. Quest. Here are some Ooh. games that Microprose put together. Okay. Civ 1 and 2. Sure. Uh, 
M1 Tank Platoon, Master of Magic, Master yep. of Orion, Mas- yep. Mutu, yep. Uh, Pirates. Fucking Pirates. Yep. Sid Meier's? Pirates? Yeah, Sid Meier's Pirates. Yep. Uh, Railroad Tycoon. That was really good. Yeah. Did they do all the Tycoon games? It must have. I don't know. I mean, it's only the I early th- ones. Yeah, I feel like it got shopped around the like Tycoon. Because I played Roller Coaster Tycoon, I'd say the most. Oh, yeah. man. That was way later. Yeah. That was just a... Uh, but yeah, of of that list, I think other than maybe the Civ games, the, I was not a big PC guy. I never played those games. I was like aware of them. Yeah. But I would have never seen they like did, the... They did do Roller Coaster Tycoon too. Huh. Oh, oh, like a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, XCOM two, you play the commander from I guess XCOM one. But mm-hmm. I mean, also, again, I feel that the character even in the old ones, because I remember playing like an old one, and I feel that you're just the commander in that one too. You didn't really participate. You, you were just an yeah. well, ambiguous yeah. strategy guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which which is you are in this one too. Like people are just sort of like commander. You need to do this and whatever. Like, you're never on the field. Although, weirdly, in the last mission, you are. Huh. Like, uh... Spoiler? I mean, I guess. It's cool. It's, it's cool. It's from, like, two years it's ago. Cool. The game. Anyway, so they download your brain into an avatar. They download your commander brain into, like, an alien avatar to breach it into the home world. Hmm. Well, so once they can download your brain, why don't they just copy it? Well, right? Put you, put you everywhere. I don't know, man. I don't know enough about alien tech. Especially if you're right at the end. You've already won a whole bunch of battles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It should just fucking copy-paste you. It's a well, video game, Scott. They don't have to make sense. Interestingly, uh, the reason one of the reasons why the aliens were so dominant is because they did capture the commander's brain and then uploaded all of his brilliant tactical mind into the entire like neural net or whatever of the alien hive mind. Hmm. So they were like ready. So they were like, Commander, you need new strategies. They know all our moves. Yeah, exactly. Being like, for some reason, we're still only sending squads of six in to handle missions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and they also they kind of make sense in that too, where it's like, <laughs> let's break the mold, get number seven in here. Yeah. Yeah. You start off at four. You start off with squads of four, right? <laughs> and then you upgrade your squads up to six. Even in the sequel. Yeah. You learned to go up to six before. You forget. And then just like, whoa. Well, I feel it, like something's been downloaded. Slow down. down. <laughs> Six is too many men. <laughs> well, to be fair, you you start from the position of having lost the first game, right? right? Like like the uh, the government just basically decides to side with the aliens, and then they like start the advent, and there's like a human alien coalition, and now you ripped you're, from the headlines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like law and order that way. <laughs> Apply everything I'm saying to uh, the crisis in Europe. <laughs> You'll start to see the parallels. It'll blow your mind. Um, Just write it down. Take notes. <laughs> get back to us. See if you can link it up. The message will be hidden within this podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, so you start from a point of like a resistance fighter. So I mean, that's why I think you only have a little squad of four. Like you're right. you're you're chopping together like the the dudes and like training them up from grunts and whatever. Like because you're you're resistance. So, yeah, they also sort of deal with that. Like while you're moving around the map, you're like awakening up resistance cells and stuff. Like you're still the crack XCOM squad mm-hmm. who like goes in and like does the does the intense sneak in and missions. But you get the impression that like you're raising up the resistance globally as you go. Okay. Um, I would say there are not varied enough enemies mm-hmm. types. Uh, I would say there's maybe like 15, maybe 20 like enemy unit types. Like, okay. And then like, and towards, I'd say like the latter, like 25% of the game, you're just kind of like, you have their number in a weird way. Like, I mean, if you, like if you, you'd be screwing it up if you like, if you lost to them. 
Right. So it's like the hardest part of the game. What I don't difficulty know. were you playing on? Normal. Okay. Yeah. It's still like very long. Like the last fight was like a four and a half hour. It's like Jeez. two parts, like four and a half hours. And like I certainly had the impression that like if I messed up a round, I probably would have lo- like lost. But I was like, as long as you like keep that mentality of like don't screw up, don't make any stupid mistakes, like slow and steady, like advance whatever, and just like keep yep. your guys going. XCOM it does the does permadeath, right? Where if like if your little squaddy mm-hmm. dies, he's dead. And mm-hmm. you're always like, oh, what a bummer. Even if he gets hurt real bad, he'll be out for like a month. And you're like, well, I don't, I beat that mission, but I don't have the guy for 30 calendar days, which there's going to be missions and there's going to be like alien flare ups and there's going to be all this stuff. So mm-hmm. keeping your guys alive is real, real important. No, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, very ex commie. Uh, so I, I played the originals a hell of a lot. And mm-hmm. my big complaint about the new game was that the. You invest a lot in the individual squad members, and mm-hmm. XCOM has a thing. You know, the grenade flies out of nowhere. Your guys just get blowed up, and yep. then they're dead. Uh-huh. And in the old-timey old, old timey one, like, you had more guys on a mission. I think it was, like, 8 or 12 you could okay. send in. And um, they did level up, but I don't think that it was as important a mechanic. Like, you could kind of expect to lose one or two guys here and there, and it wasn't really that big of a deal. And because you're less invested in them, it's kind of less of a tragedy when you're, you're, your guys get all blowed yeah. up. Well, what's kind of interesting is that, like, you, I ended up – you. I think I had like maybe 25 or 30 people or something on the oh. crew right. at like a, at any given point. And there were like there was certainly like my top 10. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. who are like cuz like basically like the plan was like basically rolling two squads of like these are my like like my A team and A team and a B team and whatever. Yeah. But then but like there's other times where you'd send in like a lower ranked guy and you also like you treat him like a lower ranked guy like who's going to kick in that door? I don't know, rookie. (laughs) I wonder who's going to kick in that door. We're all like super trained psychic warriors, and I'm like a high-trained sniper, and I'm like a top-tier hacker. What do you do? My name's name's Jim. (laughs) You're just like, well... Jim door kicker. Come from a long line of door kickers. It's also great because like as... as, The Arkansas door kickers. Like Like my red shirt. (laughs) Like it's also great because the game, I think at like... You you go up in rank, but also like at like I think the third or fourth rank you get like a nickname, right? So you get like like Ripcard, like Ripcord, Wildcard, right. like the ta- Slasher, like Taxman, and like and whatever else like that. But you don't get that name until you get that rank. So you're like, who's gonna be on this crew? And it's like Ripcord, Hackerman, like Soldier X, and Dave, it's like, you've like never, Thompson. Yeah. And you're just like I've never seen already. G.I. Joe. Huh? It's like you've never seen or read any G.I. Joe at all. No, you struggled with all of those nicknames. Yeah, I know. I could have come up with that. Yeah, I should have just gone the with Top like, Gun too. Yeah, yeah, I just could have gone with like Maverick Goose, Duke, Roadblock, Beachhead, Roadblock, mm-hmm. like exactly. And then like Jonathan, <laughs> you're just like, I wonder who's gonna make it back alive. Yep. <laughs> you just look at the like little loadout screen, and you just see like all these dudes like all leveled up. I also because you, you can modify, uh, you can modify your mans mm-hmm. right as they go. I would like. I would add scars and character to them as they aged, like as they took on more missions and like got more injured. That's really stuff. creepy for a commander to do, which is like <laughs> scarring his guys. You're 32 years old now. You've done really well for yourself. Yeah. Come here. Let me get my razor. Yeah, out. but I always made it like, like I always figured that like as you went up in rank and you like gained stats in like an XCOM and stuff like that, like you're more lax about the uniform. Mm-hmm. So like I always had my rookies in like pristine little uniforms, wearing like helmets and stuff like that, and then like. The other dude is like an eye patch. He's smoking a cigarette with like a bandana and like an all black suit. And he's like, "What's up?" <laughs> and just like this rookie's on helmet, like feeling good, Sarge. Hmm. 
I, I put a lot. I put a lot of thought into these characters who have no character whatsoever. Hey, man, if it keeps the game fun, it, it's, it, it's, it's not pink. It's lightish red. Yeah, it was kind of like, and in that case, it's kind of fun. Like, I mean, like there was like my crew of dudes who were with me like from the beginning to the end, and like I aged them, and they got like battle damaged, and like. I made Man, I was so much less interesting. I would always just colorize them based on their class. So it would be easy to, like, when you're looking at the map, the pink guys are always the supports, the red guys are always the assaults. Though. I made stories for them. Uh-huh. And I also, like, <laughs> I had, like, I had, like, personalities for them that I would, like, I would be like, this person is good at this. Like, they're not, they're just, they're all the same unit. But I'd be like, like, this person, like, busts in and shoots things up. That's what they do. And yeah. Anyway. Would you recommend it? I Why would, would you scar all of them up? Why couldn't there be, like, a pretty boy? I mean, well, it depends. If like, I wouldn't scar them up unless they like took real bad injuries and spent time in sick bay. And then I'd be like, I try to remember how they went down. Sometimes I'd burn their face if they went down in an explosion. Like, huh? This is uh, it's like the Sims insights. for a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I om- I thought like as I was doing this, I was like, this should almost be like I could buy him a new hat, or I could burn his face. <laughs> Hmm. But you know, I was like, this should almost be part of the game by default. I would think. Oh, like, totally. It would be super cool if, like, a guy spends two weeks in sick bay. He's not going to come out like fresh faces or whatever. Like, he he might be combat ready. But are you saying your surgeons aren't haven't done plastics rotation? Look, if you're smashed by a grenade, you're smashed by a grenade, and plus the surgeon ain't gonna, ain't gonna save you. You're back on your feet shooting a gun. So like, you did a real good like job. Like two weeks later, <laughs> exactly. Your face just like reconstruct a surgery. I don't know. Like, think of Mark Hamill in. Uh... Yeah, between yeah. the two Star Wars movies. Yeah, yeah. We talked about Solo last time, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. No, we sure did. Anyway, yeah, next time too would uh, would we recommend. recommend. I think it's a it's a real fun. Kind of scratched my my tactical fight mm-hmm. itch because I was I was thinking about that the other day that I was like, man, it's been a while since I played a tactics game. That was ultimately why I picked up XCOM two. Yeah, like I was like, it was on sale or free or something, and I was like, yeah, I want to play a good tactics game. It made me miss Final Fantasy Tactics. Though. Yeah, everything does. Yeah. Although I will say one thing that's weird, and I don't think it was ever a feature of the game, mm-hmm. like knowing the range, like effective range of the enemies, I feel would be not necessarily cheap, but I mean, would, I think would make more sense. And I feel like in tactics you could, like in tactics you go to an enemy unit, hit him, and know mm-hmm. how far he could go. Absolutely. You had like none of that in XCOM. Really? Yeah. Which I was like, I feel that you should have a sense of can this guy get to me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Are you sure? I seem to remember in the first one you could do that. I, I could like click I, on them and, and know their movement speed. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, it certainly. If if it was, I never figured out how to do it and I played the whole game without mm-hmm. it. Right. But yeah, but it was kind of like yeah. Last mission was like pretty redonk. Like the 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 first part of it is like your it's like a forward pressing kind of mission that you need to keep moving and there's like 26 enemies. Right. And then the final mission is you need to fight three kind of like boss tier alien dudes but also there's like port like gates because like the, the world is like in a massive uprising and this is like their home base mm-hmm. so there's like they keep calling in reinforcements so it's just like an, a never-ending stream of dudes so that was that was the one where i was saying you're like any round you're like okay this creature came in here like like just think about like an endless swarm of enemies in an XCOM scenario it's mm-hmm. like that's rough that's a rough scenario because you never like every round like every round like three new dudes would come in like so like like it was you you were just ever you were controlling them like wiping them out was never like is not an option because you're like you're you don't have the ability to like so anyway right pretty cool. fun yeah I played so much Pokemon Go this weekend cool Did, Did, has the gameplay changed at all since I stopped playing a year ago a little bit I mean Community Day for December was uh, this weekend okay and Do you feel like you're a member of a community <clears throat> well I am Pokemon go to the polls and vote said Hillary Clinton. 
Actual, ripped from the headlines. Actual Hillary Clinton quote. Did she? Yeah, she said Pokemon go to the polls and vote. It's great. That's you great. know. Yeah, I bet if there was like a gym there and they had some good raids to do, that would work. <laughs> Wait, you can raid in Pokemon? Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, a member yeah. of a Facebook chat group in my neighborhood that mm-hmm. says I'm going to go raid this gym. Yeah, There's a special big Pokemon there and. Uh, you go and meet up with like ten people from your neighborhood. Yeah, there'd be like a legendary Pokemon like sighted at the gym or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you need to like you like you would have no chance unless you're with people trying to bring them down. Mm. It, again, if there was any sort of like strategy and not just like number smashing and swiping your finger, I feel that I would have still be playing this game. PvP is starting next week. Okay, but then you're still just going to be like smashing, swiping your at each other. Yeah. Wow. Well, I've been paying close attention to the statistics and the numbers on my Pokemon that I've been catching, so sure. it's not just. No, I mean, like, you're catching good Pokemons, and then you're putting the XPs into your good ones, but then the fight is going to be you just smashing at each other. Like, Well, you're not a Pokemon. You're a Pokemon trainer. Did you ever watch Pokemon? That's all Ash does. Use Thunderbolt! Yeah, but I played... Use! Use Thunderbolt! Pikachu, use Thunderbolt! Yeah, but there were, like, you could tell them which spells to use and stuff, like, in the you game. You can still do that in the game. Really? I feel that you, you have just... two different attacks. But... Yeah, you charge up one, and then you shoot it. Like, I... unless I change the combat drastically, it's going to be... Swiping a bunch and then using your super. I mean, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, I know, and that's what I'm saying. It's like it's, it's a shame. It's a phone game, dude. Some people, that's their level of investment into video games. It's phone games and swiping things. It's a game yes. you have to play while you're walking. But what, when you're raiding, aren't you just standing next to the gym? Yeah. So, yeah. You, so you play while standing. Yeah, and, and meet your neighbors. Yeah. That, that's fine. That part, like, and that part is certainly cool. And that's like I think like what like kind of like got me into it also was when we were like Sarah and I would play together and we'd go for a little walk and catch the Pokemon it's kind of fun that's cool but then I was like but then the game part is a boring game so then I was like oh well then I stopped playing did you watch a lot of Pokemon because there's like 22 seasons of it I watched very little Pokemon after a certain point it's really just Ash battles Ash catches Pokemon Team Rocket blasts off again Um, in Pokemon news that I actually kind of care about have you seen the trailer for Detective Pikachu yes I have and oh my god I can't believe this is happening it looks so good so what is it Ryan Reynolds is playing Pikachu so first of all Detective oh okay so first of all you need to understand that uh, Detective Pikachu is like a game that came out which was just sort of like a mystery game where for inexplicable reasons this particular Pikachu even in the Japanese version had like a gruff voice and spoke like fully like didn't just say Pikachu okay. it was just sort of like like hey kid I'm a detective follow me we'll solve this case so like so like from the get go even the game was just sort of like what <laughs> like, like, like what a weird curveball for like go the, with us on this for, okay. the, for the Pokemon universe that just like there's one Pikachu that wears a little detective hat and instead it says Pikachu okay hold on is Ryan Reynolds playing the detective Pikachu yes, yes. He's, he's voicing it or he's playing he's it? voicing he's it it's, oh. like a, it's a CG okay so it's like it's a, it's a live action film uh, with like a CG Pikachu, whatever, and like I- even in the trailer, it's so good. There's... And only one kid can hear Ryan Reynolds. To everyone yeah. else in the world, he goes Pika P, Pika P, and he's like, "Oh, this woman doesn't understand. No one understands." Oh, kid, you're she's wasting your time. She's gonna pinch my cheeks now. Yeah, oh, like, they're like, they're, and like the characters, like, "Can you understand what he's saying?" They're like, "Sure, I can." Pika P, like the teacher's <laughs> like, "Ah, oh. like <laughs> uh-huh. the best." There's, uh, it's gonna be a smash hit, and. And no one will be able to explain why. Well, I mean, it's tied in with probably one of the most famous properties in the world. Like, is IPs. it the most pos- profitable franchise, or is that video still Hello franchise? Kitty? It's probably the most profitable video game franchise. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't see video games any other series that probably makes as much money as Pokemon does. Right. 
but like it's probably it's and it's probably up there with like one of the most profitable franchises period yeah. like yeah, in yeah. terms of it yeah it's gonna do just from Pokemon Go that thing just makes money hand over fist it's gonna do smash money but yeah it looks it looks fun I was like I mean it looks, it looks like something it looks weirdly Blade Runner esque in some ways yeah exactly like I mean like the the gritty world of Pokemon <laughs> just imagine instead of like AIs walking around it's tiny children fighting each other with animals that they caught in the woods yeah i mean that is some that is a grim post-apocalyptic nightmare <laughs> yeah i mean and it seems to be a, like at least in the film it just seems to be much more just sort of like pokemon and humans just sort of like live amongst each other kind a of a lot like the tv shows mm-hmm. yeah, but in the tv shows the pokemon a lot of them are in pokeballs that was one thing also is, nightmarish yeah. sentient beings crammed into tiny spheres mm-hmm. that don't experience time while they're in there their whole life is just battle. Wait, it's it, it's like the Worthing saga. You could live forever. You, then you the, only come out for a couple hours. Yeah, just imagine if you're on a boat and the boat hits an iceberg and you got all your Pokemons with you in the balls and you yeah. sink to the bottom of the ocean. Uh-huh. They never wake up. Don't the balls float? They might float, man. They're in your metal briefcase. Uh-huh. But I'm just saying, but it's in a Captain America situation. They'll come up and they'll be fine. In the, the world in will a, be completely changed. Okay. An ice age could happen while they're gone. And it'll be like they never knew. <laughs> they come back and they'll be like, hey. And you know what they're going to say? They're going to hey, say, pee. Hey, Keith. <laughs> like, hey, Keith, I'm, I'm back. What did you call me for? The world is on fire. <laughs> this is fine. Yeah. Uh, but hang on. There's lots of problems with the idea of Pokemon. Yeah, mm-hmm. there is a lot of problems. Especially that, like... You have so many of them. <laughs> like, like it's not it's not unusual for a high level Pokemon trainer to have hundreds of creatures just like in stasis in these balls. God the world Pokemon. of Pokemon, the thing that messes with me the most is their complete lack of animals. Yeah, all animals are Pokemon. Yeah, it's weird. Like, it's, it's not pigeons; they're Pigeons or Pidgeots yeah. or whatever the heck it is. Hmm. They're intelligent. They can obey commands. They can learn superpowers. They really like to fight. And you just really do they? Want a hamburger. Or are they just commanded to? I wonder. <laughs> like, in the wild, are Pokemon just attacking each other left and right? Or yeah. are we like... No, they attack each other left and right. Really? Mm-hmm. The Pidgeotos are they attacking attack, everybody? They attack everything. They're pigeons, though. Yeah. What do they... Hang on. They're pigeons that can shoot freaking... What? Thunderous so hurricane winds. In the world of Pokemon, even there's plant Pokemon, right? Like, a lot of the plant life is also Pokemon. No, yeah, yeah, what yeah. does anyone eat? I know, Is right? it Pokemon? <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> like, we should up. gather these questions and go ask small children. <laughs> like, what do you Pokemon eat? Plants? Like plant Pokemon? Like Bellsprout? Other Pokemons eat yeah. Bellsprout? Oddish. Oddish? Uh, mushroom dude? Shroomish. Shroomish. Yeah, deep questions, guys. Uh-huh. Fish? How was Pokemon mm-hmm. Go? How was the community day? Community day was awesome because mm-hmm. I only started playing halfway through this year. And this community day was all of the community days that happened this year crammed into one. Cool. So if you missed anything earlier on, you could go out and, and catch it. And, uh, Neat. Do you have any super rare Pokemon? Well, yeah. I got a Tranitar, And this this weekend, I got a Metagross. I have a couple of rare ones. I got mm. a, a Mewtwo I, from the Neighborhood Raid. And I thought mm. it was pretty fun, the fact that my Pokemon experience mirrored my actual gaming Pokemon experience, where I played... <clears throat> I caught like I think maybe like 120 of the 150 of the OG 150, and then uh, I was like, they brought out the new Pokemon's, and I was like, nah, I don't care about this. And I, I, I've never played, I've only ever played the original Pokemon game. Mm-hmm. So even on Pokemon Go, Go, 
I have the same experience of like the original 150, and then people are saying like Tranitar, and I'm like, I don't know who the heck this is. Is he one of the 150? No. There's only 150 Pokemon. They appeared in red and blue, and that is all. All other Pokemon are superfluous. It it came mm. after my time to be into games like that. Like I played the the original one. I went most of the way through the game with only my Charizard that I I used him in every fight, so he over leveled everything and then yep. he killed everything. Yep. And I never had to catch another one, so I never did. And then I kind of got bored always playing with the same Charizard. He just melted everything. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I stopped playing. And then uh, that's my Pokemon experience. Yep. How's that different from Final Fantasy? Because I did that with Final Fantasy a whole bunch. Who well, did you char up into your like superstar? Yeah. I mean, maybe Saban. Like uh, my my FF. Guy was Setzer. Huh? Really? He was ridiculous. Did you get good at, at like catching the red? Hitting, hitting, no, nope, yeah. it didn't matter. <laughs> once you get him up high enough, uh, I mean, it doesn't matter it, what comes out of his thing. Once huh. you get anyone high enough, I feel yeah, it's true. It's yep. going to be okay. Man, I've been oh, watching. I told you the first time I ever beat FF3 on the Super Nintendo, I'd set up my uh, Umaru, random Gogo, um, non control characters. And yeah. um, it was the fourth one. Uh, the, the Yeti. Umaro. Uh, yeah. The Moogle. Uh, Mog. Mog. Oh, yeah, Mog. That's Mog. the one. So Mog, Gao, Umaro, and Gogo. Yeah. Right. Yep. And they just they beat Kefka by themselves. <laughs> like Gao, that Umaro's Gao... just picking up people and throwing them at them. Yeah, for, for max damage. <laughs> and Gao went berserker, and mm-hmm. that, I put the controller down, and I watched 15 minutes of the final battle happen without my input. And was like, huh, that went differently than I expected. I, I had that happen to me once in Final Fantasy VII by accident. Like, where I just hit, uh, every, like, there's only three people, so it was like, but two people died, and I was like, well, Vincent, I was like, it's up to you now, and I just, like, hit Pop Vincent's limit break, and was like, let's see what you can do, buddy, uh-huh. and it was like, cool, like, it lasted, like, another five, six minutes, and Vincent won, because he just, like, cause you lose control of Vincent when he pops his limit break, so he yep. just became a big demon, and I was like, let's see how you can do, Vincent, see if you're better than me. Soften and he, him up, and soften he, him up. And he was. <laughs> it was like a boss that I had died at a couple times, but Vincent being a big old demon saved the day. Thanks, Vincent. I'll never forget you. So there's this thing called Games Done Quick where they do um, like for, speed, for runs. Cha- for speed runs for charity. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's like a thing every year they get somebody to speed run Final Fantasy VI with no glitches. And it takes him about six and a half hours to go through the whole game, which is pretty freaking impressive because that's a game that could easily take you 40 to 60 hours if yeah. you were playing it yeah, through yeah. normally. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, six yeah. and a half. I think I did. 35 once. But, but it's that, like, like that was fast. fun as hell to watch someone do it that fast because you put it on while you're working and yeah. like you kind of only tune in when it's something interesting that you want to pay attention to and you still get to kind of relive the experience of going through the whole game. It's delightful. Neat. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of that, uh, that YouTube channel, The Summoning Salt. Uh, yep. Where they like they, they get like in depth into the history of the speedruns of the game. I watched mm-hmm. the Zelda one. The uh, Oh, it, those are super fun. It's so cool. Like, yep. it's, I don't know if you've watched any of them. Yeah, I saw the... Um... Mario. Yeah, the, no, the the one level in Mario, yeah, like four level three, level, level yeah, four yeah, three, yeah. where it's like a twenty minute mini documentary shaving milliseconds off of level four three or whatever yeah. the heck it is. Yeah. It's insanity. Like, yeah, but yeah, the Zelda one is super cool. Like, I think I saw that one. It's just like they they, they talk about the strategy to a Zelda speedrun is gaming the item drops mm-hmm. and people how long it took people to figure out what triggered an item drop that it's not random yeah like yeah. to figure out the code of how to make the guy drop bombs because like so much of a zelda speedrun is like contingent on dropping bombs right like at the right time it's just Get the bomb but again the they do og zelda in like i think half an hour that's crazy yeah and and like and the thing is OG and the, zelda was 
me and my cousin calling the fucking Nintendo hotline because we got stuck in the maze. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you you kind of had to for some of the stuff on that. There, there are parts where it's like, okay, you flame this bush in the middle of goddamn nowhere, and that's where the dungeon is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess... I, I remember when I played... When I Dragon played, Warrior at least gave you the clue where you had to dig. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but... The other thing that was crazy when things they talk about the speedrun on Zelda is that there's no shortcuts. Like there's no warp. Like you need to hit all the dungeons. And they're mm-hmm. like that's what makes the speedrun like one of the like like one of the grails of speedrun is you're like you need to do all the things. Like you need to play through every screen of Zelda to beat hmm. Zelda. Like which is it's not like a warp there's no warp zone. There's very few they there's like a weird like shimmy that you can do to teleport from like one side of the screen to the other screen so you don't need to go across the entire screen. Mm-hmm. Like the because apparently, so supposedly, now that uh, we talked, as we talked about in the past of 90s, since the death of Twin Galaxies, yep. uh, it, it's opened up a wider range of people because a wider range of records because Twin Galaxies was really hard on uh, using any sort of glitches hmm. to to do like uh, speedruns. Hard on glitches. Okay with cheating. Yep. Twin galaxies. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and now a lot of like the modern community is like, if a glitch is like replicable, one hundred percent like repeatable. Yeah, they're like, it's fine. It's part of the game. Yeah. It's like it's a weird thing, but if you could do it one hundred percent of the time, like it doesn't, it never crashes the game. You're like, that's just exploiting the code of the game. Yeah. Like in a way that could be manipulated by like a controller you know yeah. like if you're like we're not talking about tool assisted glitches or whatever like we're talking about like something you could do with your hands they talk about oh man the choco mountain one on the original is it diddy kong racing or is it mario kart anyway like people like boop, 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 like, like popping up the side of the mountain in like certain ways and like I don't know that one. yeah it like look it up it's just like they're if you've imagined like breaking a video game and so these dudes have like busted it to like absurd like it should be like on a fast run of playing it normally, it would be like a minute and a half. Like mm-hmm. these guys are at like under thirty seconds of like completing a lap. <laughs> You're like, what? Yeah, it's good times and uh, yeah, summoning salt. I, yeah, I, I yeah, yeah, it's it, good it fun. just it's little like mini documentaries. The guy's even like. It's not super nerdy, but like still pretty engaging. Like he has like an engaging. They're like, great little videos. If you're into, they're wonderfully edited. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Together. They're not just. They, they, they're, cam footage. they're really good at contextualizing, I find, like, because you're like, this is why this is important. And then you're just watching, like, a little ape game, and you're like, and by the end of it, you're like, oh! And, like, the guy <laughs> just, like, moves down, and, like, a little bomb, and, like, flashes and booms, and you're like, did yeah. it. Like, he contextualized that moment, which I think is super important, because if you're just watching a speedrun, you're like, I don't understand why this is impressive. Yeah. Like, yeah. A+. Plus. What else has been going on, well, John. I watched two movies, one of them, uh, and they're both the bloody uh, revenge. horror revenge movies, right? Mm-hmm. One of them is the film Revenge, mm-hmm. and the other mm-hmm. one is the film Mandy. Oh, and our friends on Shudder. Yeah, both of them are actually streaming on Shudder right now. Um, and, I, and like, one of them I really didn't like, which was Revenge, and oh. it was, like, promoted as, like, the new French horror cinema ultra thriller. Oh, that's... That's a those are big shoes though. Big shoes, and I, I did not think that Revenge folded out. And then Mandy was like the art house Revenge, Nicolas Cage masterpiece, and I did love it. It was it was wonderful. It was, it was the closing film of this year's Fantasia. Well, they totally deserved it. And yeah, and and every, everyone I said is just sort of like it's the it's the movie you want it to be. <laughs> oh, totally. I, I mean, Nicolas Cage acts, mm-hmm. and and he like carries scenes. There's there's a like a scene where he. 
Uh, okay, so the plot is that he is uh, – there's him and there's this girl. They are in a beautiful, loving relationship. That's the girl, Mandy. The girl's name is Mandy. She's walking home uh, alone, and this, like, truck drives by, and in the truck is a uh, Christian cult that makes a lot of acid, and they're a crazy cult leader. Mm-hmm. And he falls in love they're with like, her. They're like, they're like mountain people, right? Like, they're like – No, no, no. They're really a Christian cult. They're no, 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 no. I'm just saying, but the whole place is – the whole film takes place rural – I'm not necessarily saying they're mountain people. Oh, like, yeah, like, like so it's established at the start that Nicolas Cage is a uh, like a logger, so he's chainsawing things, ch- trees down, mm-hmm. which is a bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and, um, oh you're quite you're quite adept with the chainsaw there, Nicholas. I yeah, wonder if that's going to come out in a horror movie. Um, no, no, no. He's only going to use it for his job. Yeah, that's exactly Chainsaw but, safety is... But there's a, there's a point about shit. halfway through the film when uh, shit goes down. It, it stops really being anywhere and starts being in a acid-infused dream fantasy yeah. violence scape. Like, like, it, like you say, it's in the mountains. It's kind of more in your head on acid. Yeah, like it, it does like the Dario Ardento primary color full wash scenes oh, and all that. Oh, like. very much. It's a very, very art house film. And if you're like not into slow-mo, you know, like screen effects going on, crazy special, like scenes that don't really exist in the context of a film, like they, they start halfway through the scene going on and they end before the scene actually should have ended. But you know what happened because, you know, that's the scene where he fights a guy with a chainsaw. You don't really need to see how he got into that situation. And once he's won, <laughs> you don't really need to see how he got out. It's just like... You know, you got you got what happens out of there, or trim the fat. Yeah, exactly. Or like he's he, there's a scene that starts where it's the guy who's making the acid, and then he you don't know how he got there. He just appears there, and there's a tiger in a cage, and the guy lets the tiger out of the cage, and the tiger runs by, and you know that it's Nicolas Cage's spirit animal, because in a previous scene, the one where he got back after this the the shit goes down, he's like he walks into the bathroom covered in blood, wearing a tiger T-shirt. You know, so. So you know right. it's his spirit animal, and then the tiger walks on by him. It doesn't have to be explained. You just you just know. In a way, it was explained by the T-shirt. Well, exactly, man. <laughs> that scene is so good. You know, M- Mandy, bad things happen to her, and then Nicolas Cage gets back home, and he walks in. The whole scene is like in a bathroom, right? And he walks into the bathroom. He's wearing tidy white underwear, this tiger T-shirt, and he's covered in blood. He's all mangled up. Well, he- that explains your outfit today, at least. So. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, you know. I mean, I have doing we it for really the talked about the fact that. John is wearing tidy whiteies and a tiger t-shirt covered in well, blood. I was so impressed with Nicolas Cage, man. You should have seen the looks on the Metro. He reaches into a drawer and pulls out this enormous bottle of vodka, and he starts swilling out of the bottle of vodka, and he goes on like a Nicolas Cage freakout where he's like, raw, raw, and it's the best Nicolas Cage freakout I've seen after having seen him in like a hundred films, you know? <laughs> Oh, that I is a, that is a heavy claim to say it's the best Nicholas Cage. I mean, freakout. he's made a lot of freakouts, and, yeah. and this one really, really yeah. does and, it. And the thing, and I mean, I don't know, we're even laughing about it because, like, we talked about this briefly with the Phil covered Fantasia for us mm-hmm. this summer. Like, he felt that the audience, like the Fantasia audience, laughing at probably that scene, yeah. was like doing it a disservice because it's not like an insane over the top. You're like, this is a legitimate acting. That is so on display. There's a moment in that scene where the camera is doing a slow zoom on Nick, and then he gives this, like, he starts his primal rampage, yeah. and the camera kind of shakes and then zooms back out, <laughs> as though, the, as though the, the camera guy didn't really know what was happening, and then kind of got scared, and is like, oh, shit, I better keep this rolling. He's fucking losing it. Like, but about, it's like, but like true or false? Like, is it like a that's it's well acted? It's well acted. Yeah, it's like yeah. that's what I heard. He's, he's like he's like people were like laughing during that scene, and like Phil was like I felt like mad at the audience because he was like this is a like 
legitimate performance on stage. Like it's like it is a Nicolas Cage freakout, but it's like a good one that is like deserved. Oh, totally. Like, there, there's really weird stuff. Like so, Mandy. It's not. A, it's not a spoiler. She dies. That's like kind of the gestation of the film. She. So she. She gets killed well, by this crazy thanks. cult, and then. And then Nicolas Cage is tortured. Her bo- she's burned alive in front of him. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then he stumbles back to his house. And he walks into the house covered in blood and all fucked up from being tortured by these guys. And he looks over at the screen and there's an advertisement called the Cheddar Goblin. Where it's like it's like these kids eating craft dinner and this big green goblin is like, I'm the Cheddar Goblin. And, and it's like, is it funny? Yeah, but is it like is also that that's life, you know? Bad things happen to you, and then there's a there's, there's, a, there's still stuff on TV, you know? Like <laughs> like it's a wonderful world starts playing on the radio, and it's not a wonderful world for you. Yeah, I really it, really really want to watch this. Movie. I, I really highly recommend it. Like it's definitely I could see how it would lose audiences because it's obviously incredibly violent and gory yeah. in many many places, and but, it's artsy too, and right? it's super like, artsy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the artsy the, the the like style of the artsiness is a little bit like Stranger Things. Yeah. It's like set in the 80s. Yeah. It's like a very deep synth kind of kind of feel to it. There's heavy metal animated interludes. Um, I loved this movie. I loved every part of it. Amazing. Yeah. Do you want to rank this film? I sure do. Well, we should rank this film. Though. I mean, it's very difficult to... to it's, this is not something that you can give like a clear recommendation to everybody because it was still kind of a Nicolas Cage view. How? I mean, I feel that Rubber might be a jumping I would put this point. way above Rubber. But I'm going to say, but I said a jumping off point. Yeah, a jumping off point. But like, yeah. So Higher like, up there is The Bad Batch. Definitely above The Bad Batch. 68. Bad Batch is higher than Rubber? We may need to rewatch. We might need to rewatch. Re- re- I, I went back to rewatch The Bad Batch. It's a goddamn mess. <laughs> but it's so fun. But dis- I'm just saying, but Rubber, I think, is more fun. Like, the Descent is above that. Definitely above The Descent. And As then we start getting into, like, really good movies. Really good yeah. movies. Because then at 55, we get Baby Driver. At 54, we get Top Gun. Hmm. I could see from from John's description, I could see it edging both of those. Like, but I feel we're we're narrowing in on the correct I, zone. I would be okay to hold off on watching this until one of you guys does at, as well, because this is a this at is forty-five a, is a quiet place. Um, I did not see a quiet place, but I understand that it was at forty-four cool. is office space. Yeah, yeah. You're you're getting into you're getting into where Mandy might might peter off. Okay. Well, you know, I, w- I would still... Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. I would... 51. I would put it in the same area as Ex Machina, actually, because it's like an uh, experimental I- indie film. And I would actually put it just above Ex Machina and below Harry Potter and the Princess of Azkaban. And I would be happy to have you guys uh, contest that afterwards. Cool. Sure. Um, okay, so then the other movie that I saw was um, Revenge, which was a, like... Same thing, terrible, bloody revenge film. Except in this one, this girl is the is like the 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 off. It's like not the guy's wife. It's his it's his side girl, and he's off on a, a side piece. Side piece. She's his side piece, and he's off on like a like a sex jaunt with her in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. He does a crime while he's out there um, mm-hmm. with these two other Sounds guys. Like he's a bad person. He is definitely a bad person. And he leaves her alone with the two guys while he goes off to complete some part of the crime that he is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, uh, while he's gone, one of the guys rapes her. All right. And she gets really pissed off about this, obviously. So then does it go spit on your grave? 
well, yeah. So that's what that's kind of the, the 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 way it goes. The boyfriend comes back and he's like, "Look, I'll give you some money. You can't really do anything about this." And she's like, "Fuck you! You got to send me back into town. Get me out of here. And if you don't do that, I'm going to tell your wife and I'm going to do whatever." Yep. So they chase her off into the into the the desert. The guy. Her boyfriend knocks her off of a cliff where she falls and is speared on this gigantic ass tree. And they can't climb down the cliff. The sun's going down. They're like, fuck it. She's going to die. We'll come clean up the body the next day. She um, gets herself off of the tree and then begins a bloody rampage of revenge. Like she never, they'd never seen a freaking 60s Batman episode. Don't worry. This death trap is perfect. (laughs) It feels like they've never seen I Spit on Your Grave. (laughs) Like, really, like. Well. So I had a real, real terrible problem with the movie, and it was that the camera I fucked her the whole way through the movie. And okay, so I get it that it's an exploitation film, yeah. and like that's kind of the style of those things. But there's like a, a like super indulging in it. I felt like you're making me part of the rape here. Like it was uncomfortable. I, I mean, I'd I'd have to see it. Yep. But maybe that was on purpose. Like I mean, like I'm just I'm like really. Oh, I'm it's just, definitely on purpose. No, but you know, what, you know what I mean. But it's just sort of like it's to to make you culpable. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because like think about like how like sexed up the lady was in I Spit on Your Grave beforehand. Like she was like flirting and like and whatever else. And then like the guys yeah. were like, I, again, my basis is just on I Spit on Your Grave. Yeah, I yeah, haven't yeah. seen Revenge. And then they're just sort of like she's basically asking for it. And then she goes back and kills them. But like I, you kind of get that impression. Okay. So that happens in this too. She does like a sexy flirty dance with the guys, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then the next day they're like, "What the fuck? You wanted it last night?" Blah blah blah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And she doesn't want to sleep with any of them. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about afterwards when she's going on her violent rampage. All she's she's wearing her underwear through the whole thing because they right. pushed her off the thing. She ran away. Whatever. Um, but the the camera is just like it's constantly doing gratuitous sleazy ass shots on her the whole way through the thing. Mm. Do you know Luc Besson films have a kind of sleazy faux feminism to them? Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. this like super fucking juvenile, oh yeah, she's a powerful woman, but it's kind of not. But we're going to wrap her in bandages, and it, that's her outfit for the movie. Yeah. Right, and then she needs, she needs a guy in the end to save her anyway. It's yeah. kind of like that. And, right. and, and then and it feels kind of dirty. And then, there, so like one of the big gross-out scenes is the, the guy who raped her, actually, while she's chasing him down with a huge gun, he like, rah, he's running away, he stumbles into some broken glass, gets a really nasty piece of glass in his foot. And the movie does like a really long... He's screaming, he's covered in blood, he's, and he has to like go with his finger and dig around in his foot to get the chunk of glass out. And he's going nice. like under the pads of his feet yeah, yeah, yeah. to try, kind of get them out. I'm into it. It's like this long, gnarly, bloody scene. But I have no sympathy for this guy. Like, yeah. I, I don't give two fucks. So it's like a gross-out for, for the sake of gross-out. And, and you kind of hope it doesn't work out for him in the end. Yeah. So I don't care. I don't care about him. I don't care about this moment. Yeah. I, it, it's not like it's not anything if you, you you don't even want her to overcome it. You're like if he has his glasses, but he'll be easier to kill later. Right, the revenge lady. Oh, it was directed by a woman. Was it? Yeah, Coralie Fargia. Well, so. she eyeball fucks the hell out of Matilda Anna Ingris Lutz, which I think is the name of the, so the lady. So I, I guess whatever. No, I don't know. So maybe. So maybe, here, here's another. So maybe that maybe that was the intention, right? Of being like she is now like super sexy because she's getting her revenge. So let me add another to come back to that point as soon as I describe this. She falls off of the thing. She gets speared through the belly, mm-hmm. back through the belly with this enormous chunk of wood. So it's like, I don't know. three. That's one of the Tomb Raider death scenes. Yes. It's like three <laughs> inches thick. It's like there is no way this girl is surviving a three-inch thick pole going through from her back all the way through out her stomach. Crazy. And then the way she gets off of the tree, 
okay, is that she has like a bit of lighter fluid. She pours it on the tree, which is this like burned out thing, and sets it on fire. And then it burns enough for her to like roll, roll over onto her yeah, side yeah. for it to break. Right. So that happens. And then she runs through the desert for a whole while, gets into a fight with one of the guys, beats him off. Does she also have a hole in her sometime? With, with the stick still coming out. Neat. Runs all the way into a, a cave in the desert where she unwraps a beer that she stole from one of the guys, sets, lights up a big fire, heats up the, the unwrapped beer can into like a, like a big piece of metal. Right, that's now red hot, so that she can burn the the like tissue around there to cauterize the wound shut. That's a big hole to cauterize. Okay, and then she does a shitload of peyote, so she has like a kind of crazy vision quest drugged out kind of moment. And then when she comes to on on the beer can, the the symbol was like a like a phoenix or like a bird type animal with whatever beer. So she has that like phoenix symbol scarred. Of course, in, of course she does. Like scarred into her into her belly. And the, and the wound is all nice and happily sealed up. Mm-hmm. It's preposterous. I mean, obviously, a revenge film is totally preposterous anyway. But in a spit on your grave, it's kind of... It could have happened. Yeah. You know? Like, she just, like, they, just like she doesn't knock her head so hard, and then she just comes back and kills them all. Like, yeah. I feel like it broke a kind of, a kind of like... It made her like contextual covenant, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, with, that you make with the viewer, that you can kind of buy the thing that's going on. And then once, once something breaks all bounds of reality, then every measure of reality in that movie is gone. Yeah, you're like, is right. it supernatural? Is, is, obviously, it's not, it's not yeah. intended to be supernatural, but, but now that's the world that we're in, where kind of anything goes, whatever. Yeah. And so... Well, it's like the mistake... At that point, you either make her a zombie or a ghost or whatever. Like well, a yeah. Avenger. I mean, yeah. ultimately, it's like it's the mistake of like the Halloween sequels to Halloween, right? Like, Halloween, Mike Myers is just a dude. Yeah. Like, Michael Myers is just a dude in a suit. Like, later in sequels, you're like, nope. He's unstoppable, and you're like, and it gets weirder as like the, the 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 terror or like the horror of the movie diminishes because it's not a crazy guy in a suit anymore. It's like an unstoppable killing machine in a suit. Right. So you're like, this stopped being real. Like first movie, you're like, oh, he gets like a knife in the arm or whatever, and he's like, he's has a screwed up he arm gets now. Slow down. The, yeah. yeah, exactly. He has a screwed up arm for the rest of it. It's like what makes the Jason movies like preposterous is that he's unstoppable. He's right. not a dude. Like so, you like you you sacrifice you sacrifice a lot of your horror the minute you like add anything unrealistic. Exactly, into it. exactly. Just a a quick tangent on the, your quick misspeaking there, but what is actor Mike Myers doing right now that is preventing him from cameoing in a goddamn Halloween movie? I mean, probably just rolling in his Shrek money is what I, I feel just, like he's doing. I, I think it's also still depression about the Love Guru. I understood that. He thought that it was funny, and it sent him into a dark depression. Well, I know he, he, canceled, he, he canceled the Sprockets movie as a result of that. It was one of the things that he was like, yeah. maybe I don't know what's funny anymore. But I also know Can that he Lee got... Curtis just give him a phone call? And like, look, it's about time. It's about time. <laughs> he got absurd money for Shrek, though. Yeah. Like, the three Shrek yeah. movies, apparently, like... Wasn't it going to be Chris Farley, and then he died, and they and it ended up being Mike Myers? No, maybe. Mike Myers had always done the Scottish voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, donkey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yep. He okay, did, did uh, that, like, I have books. I have an important. Okay, we're gonna rank this movie. Then yeah. I have an important question for John. Okay, so just just like I'm 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 di- you know I'm I'm laughing at revenge for getting into the fantasy world where Mandy was like deep in the realm of fantasy. Right. But, like the whole point of. But if it of, sets its tone and exactly. like, maintains it, exactly. you have to build the reality and then live in it. You can't yeah. just. I'm, I might be selling revenge a little bit short because the end of it was like there, there was a pretty crazy cool shootout between her and the boyfriend that she chases back down to his house, and yeah. it's like gnarly scenes. I mean, it sounds. It's still some fun. fun. Like, but, it, it doesn't sound like anything like... Well, let's look at the 
Fine movies? Fine rubber Evil Dead. Those are I, I like Evil Dead better than I like this. Evil Dead at least seemed ambitious. Yeah. Well, okay, so this had really, really high production value. There yeah. was very, there was like, somebody put a lot well, of Well, no, but I meant, I meant ambitious in like Evil Dead was trying to do something new. Yeah. Whereas this does not seem like it was doing something new. It seems like they were trying to make a spit on your grave in 2018. With Luc Besson schmaltz. All yeah. smithers lathered all over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The 2017 Flatliners. So a little bit did below not, that. I did not see that. I would put this above Suicide Squad, so hmm? there's that. Winchester. Ooh. Winchester is an is a perfectly fine ghost movie. This sounds yeah. like a perfectly fine revenge movie. We might be in the right zone. Yeah, we are actually. Because uh, underneath Winchester is King Arthur: Legend of the Sword, which was a perfectly fine King Arthur movie with some failures. Uh, well, Winchester had some failures too, and it sounds like this had some failures also. And then below that is Ghost in the Shell. Actually, I think, um, well, I would put this below rubber, definitely. Ghost in the Shell, yeah, but the remake? Oh, man. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. We're not, we're 2017 the Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, I would still go below that. Oh, wow. I would put this actually just underneath Cropsy and just above Ghostbusters by Paul Feig. We did it. Yep. <clears throat> All right. John, we only have a couple minutes left, but you sent me a text message yesterday that yeah. I really, really, really want to talk about. Oh, which one? Uh, part of... What you said we were going to talk about was that you have determined the nature of the simulation. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> in fact, and in fact, if you are a Patreon uh, subscriber, the um, the image post for when I ask if you're a five dollar Patreon subscriber, the image post for what we talk about in this one is mm-hmm. uh, the cover of Muse's uh, Simulation Theory album. Oh, well, I don't know about that, but I was thinking really hard about the simulation. And I, were we talking about simulation theory, like Matrix style, or yes, like okay. that? Like, okay. like is all of the world that we inhabit right now a simulation? Right. How would we know? There's no real way to know if the simulation was of sufficient complexity. Right. And I think something that often, or the thing that always stopped me from understanding or believing why it why. Why would you be in a simulation? What is the purpose of having a simulation? Right. Obviously, it would take an immense amount of work to set up. And any time that you consider you want to pl- posit that there is a simulation, you are breaking the rule of Occam's razor because yeah. it requires a universe significantly more complex than the one in which we inhabit. Yeah. There's also always, like, the power issues, right? Like, Right. The, so the, qu- the question... Massive power expenditure for, like, keeping a simulation alive for whatever. Yeah. Right. So Why? So two things and that that brought me to the conclusion that I have. Okay. Okay. So thing number one is is a little bit of neuroscience. Okay. Right. What is a thought? Mm-hmm. Okay. A thought is a configuration of atoms. Mm-hmm. All right. So a, a, a thought is the passage of ions along a neuron. Right. right. What is a memory? Same thing. It's a configuration yep. of atoms. Yep. It's the it's the, it's a configuration of neurons that represent a phenomena in the real world. And inside your brain, you have 20 billion neurons, mm-hmm. and thoughts and, and memories only exist within the context of your brain yep. for you, right? Because you, you have the experience of those things going on, but they're going to be unique to your particular configuration. Right. The notion of creating, being able to alter those okay. mechanically, right, to inject memories into a brain would require a complete understanding of the context of the brain, right. right, to be able to make alterations to it and to be able to create new things, I don't think that that could be done. Or for that to be done will be monumentally more complex than any of the technology that we're working on right now. Right. Like the notion of uploading or downloading stuff from a mind is, is fucking bonkers right. from, from a neuroscience standpoint. Okay. So let's put that at number one. Put that at hold. You got that, Scott? No, Hang got on it. A little basic well, neuroscience. My, my number one question is, is the brain really that complex or... 
have they uploaded into our minds that it's that complex and we shouldn't be fi- trying to figure it out? Well, that's possible. It's a false flag. But, you know. <laughs> don't, don't bother trying to upload stuff into your own brain because we got that and we uploaded it into your brain. It is too complicated. Well, oh, maybe. So number two is the, uh, the eco side that's going on right now. So there's uh, a new thing study that has come out saying 80% of the insects in America have died. Yep. Right? They're, they're blowing pesticides all over the place. The food chain is, is going to collapse under that weight. The... Um, uh, the Canada's ecological policies right now are putting us on track for a five-degree increase in the temperature by mm-hmm. 2100 if we don't alter what we're doing. And people are still busy eating meat and driving cars, so that's not going to that's not going to change anything. The, America's um, spending 610 billion dollars on its military. America's spending 610 billions on its military, which is the greatest, the biggest polluter on the planet right yep. now. It's the U.S. military. Mm-hmm. And um, the notion of what is going to be a consequence out of that, if you think about flooding coastal cities, the consequence, like. Is New York going to get completely flooded? Probably not. America's got a lot of money. They're going to put up big seawalls and they're going to protect it. But Mumbai, can you imagine the toxins that are going to go into the ocean when Mumbai gets flooded? Do you think India's going to have the, the money to kind of prevent that from happening? Or yeah. Jakarta or any, yeah, any yeah. like big eastern city? So by 2100, we're looking at like a global like ecocide. All, all of Japan. Well, they're going to have money to, to like stop Tokyo from getting flooded, right? Mm. Probably. We're looking at the third world that are going to have... Philippines. Right. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. The consequences of the Philippines getting flooded is going to be nightmarish. Mm-hmm. Hold on to that thought for a second. Biotechnology is advancing very quickly, and most of our bodies are completely replaceable. Yep. And we're very quickly finding chemicals that we're going to be able to use to extend the life to reduce cell damage, mm-hmm. right? So what happens in a post-ecocide society with immortal people? You have to think really carefully about who you are going to allow to go into that society. Right. Right? And so what you would do, you, you birth a brain. Mm-hmm. You chop it out of its little baby body. You slap it into a machine that plugs its eyes, its spinal column, its ears, and its nose into a thing. And then you let it grow. It grows inside of the simulation. It, it lives an entire life. And there's a convenient ethical side to this where the brain that, and that person that you have created now gets to live a life. Hmm. And at the end of that life, if they're useless or if they're not a good person, you turn them off. You've, you had a life. You just and, made, hang on. And you're did done. You, did you just make like a science afterlife? A science afterlife. Well, yeah, that's kind of what it is, right? <laughs> and you science can... is testing you to see if you're a contri- like if you can contribute to the mess of society a hundred years from now. Even right. Though we're a hundred years, we're a hundred years in the future. Let's say. Right. And, and then maybe it's two hundred, maybe it's yeah, three hundred, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But but like, and then now at the end of it, they can they can have watched you over your entire life, and if you are a good person who has skills that will be of benefit to an immortal post ecocide civilization right. trying to trying to like re- rebuild the world, yeah, yeah. then you're allowed to graduate and go on to it. I mean, but that sounds like it's gonna be a crap life. Well, <laughs> fighting for the luck. Yeah, but there's important work to be done. And if you think it's going to be a crap life, well, then great. You had your life. You're done at the end of it. And you're not going to get to participate in this post-ecocide world. Neat. And it does kind of make sense that like you would let the brain grow because there, it would be way too complex to actually inject the talents or the skills or whatever that you would yeah, need yeah, into yeah. it. I could buy it. There's, there's like a delicious. You have the the roots of religion are there in the background, giving you a little bit of a warning if you're a good person. Like <laughs> legitimately, the afterlife could be uh, hey. immor- immortality in a world, whatever. Where there's a lot of work to do. <laughs> Where there's a lot of work yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah. 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 It sounds like John found God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do. Interestingly, so all <clears throat> all of what you're saying though made me think of something that I had a conversation with my barista this week. Okay. Which was that they were like. Matrix ages okay because no matter what, it's always a simulation of 1999. <laughs> so it's like you can watch it now. <laughs> You're like, yeah, because the 
robots just program 1999 as the simulation year. Mm-hmm. Like, just like, as in your, your like Back to the Future. 1985 is 1985 is 1985. Yeah. But their well, so 2015 is way different, though. It, That's in Back to the Future 2. I didn't say Back to the Future 2. Yes. I said Back to the Future. Fair enough. In my simulation theory, this time is perfect because this is the time where we have the opportunity to, to learn about math, physics, chemistry, all the things we might yeah, need yeah, to yeah. exist. And also, we're going to understand the consequence of the ecocide and what yeah. brought that yep. into the world. Neat. Yep. I can buy it. I believe. I'm feeling pretty bad about playing eight hours of Pokemon Go this weekend. <laughs> so it just Sorry, let you know, Cyber Gods. I was gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna say, like nothing in any computer or whatever is biodegradable, and it's like huge amounts of waste. Tech waste is like one of the worst wastes. No, I'm not oh, talking about no, tech no, no. waste. The, I'm the, talking about squandered. In terms of biodegra- like the, biodegradable, the big one is meat. The, oh, the yeah. Animal agriculture three times the the fossil fuel not three times the greenhouse gases of the whole mm. fossil fuel industry is. Is animal agriculture? Oh no, we're, we're talking about waste. Yeah, but in the in the waste of like things decomposing or whatever, like tech waste is like up there, right? Sure, like sure. It, it's just like it's like because it just never goes away. Like circuit boards and whatever are just there's like, a um electric toothbrush. There's yeah. a great vice thing on the scammers in Nigeria where yeah. there's like the, like we ship a whole bunch of old computer shit to them, and that's why they have. Uh, why they're running Nigerian scams is because they have a whole bunch of tech waste there. They have guys like crawling around these gigantic seas of old dead computers, yeah, yeah, yeah. scavenging parts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and apparently that's it. They have like these like. Apparently, it also gets toxic, like the like air and whatever around all that stuff. Can really, get toxic, or whatever. And then remember that smell of a warm computer. I mean, I, I, I live in desert. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. There wasn't Nigeria. Maybe it was, uh, if it was somewhere in, like the Pacific Ocean. They have like these like tech waste like trash islands and stuff and it's people go in there and just like pull apart the little bits of usable metal and mm-hmm. like have a little pockets full of salvageable metal like that is happening like that sounds like Blade Runner nonsense that is happening right now in like 2018 like people on like floating trash islands of, of tech waste pulling off the little bits of like that's Mad Max nonsense but no it's, it's happening it's now. happening and alive yeah. on that thought hopefully living... World War 3 doesn't there's, start there's more living <laughs> slaves now than at any other point in history yep any other year you go back there's never been as many people actually living as slaves I don't know if that's necessarily the fairest the fairest thing well, to I get mean, all freaked out yeah population. there's so many more people than there ever yeah. has been before <laughs> but then there's also uh, remember, that, means, some, that means every one of us who's not a slave, there's more of us just ignoring the problem. Well, let me just put it. I think it was 9% of every human who has ever lived is alive right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, think yeah. about yeah, that. Yeah, 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 that's absurd. Well, well but there's something to Mars to the, take pictures. Yeah. yeah. But there's also, uh, like, about that slavery thing. Remember when we went to go see Greg Poops and, like, the smartest man in the universe? Yeah. But he was talking about how he was, like, like, talking about American poverty. And he was like, slavery is a more humane choice in certain ways. He's like, if a slave broke his arm... The owner of that slave would be interested in repairing his arm. Not so in America. Uh, <laughs> like, like slaves get fed and bored. A yeah. lot of people don't get that in America. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that's it. Like he's like, I really don't like this. <laughs> talking about the upsides of slavery. Guys. No, it's not not meant as an like not meant as an endorsement of slavery, but more meant as a like chastising America for not taking care of its people as much as slave owners often t- historically took care of their slaves. That's a problem with your society. Like, uh, And to tie this all together to what we were talking about at the beginning, it's like in, the, in that $610 billion military expenditures of America, they somehow still don't have money to pay their veterans. Yeah. Like, That's like the real tragedy. It's like you're part of the military expenditure, but then they're like, yeah, veterans benefits? So sorry. So sorry. We're not interested in that. What was there was a thing where they were like, 
Oh, they're like apparently they're months behind on payment of like a lot of their basic things because the computers that they're running are still from the nineties. Like, just Veterans Affairs is still running like databases. Windows three point one. Yeah, exactly. If you are going to tell people to die for your country, you need to take care of those people forever. That's I think just. Well, it's all it's all part of the gigantic scam, right? You make education too expensive for anybody normal to afford unless so they, they go, go into and the go into the military to get the thing, and then they're invested in the whole system. Then they go. Yeah. Uh, the cycle can start. Happy holidays, everybody, from 90. <laughs> uh, Hi. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the Internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 9to5.cc. <laughs> Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.